It is the holidays. Do, 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 do. I mean, it's literally Christmas Eve as this episode goes out, so it is, it is smack dab in the midst of the holiday season. My goodness. We're so festive. Look at this. My we totally goodness. planned it. Yep. Yep. That's just how good we are. Yep. And that means, of course, it's time for our annual holiday episode of the Season Lamb Checkup OVA. Which is a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Did you know that? Wow, it's so surprising. So surprising. <laughs> so surprising. <laughs> uh, hello, I'm I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Owen Ladium. Hello, hello. This is episode number 313, and we got some holiday-themed media mm-hmm. to talk about. <laughs> yep, holiday-themed. <laughs> yep. What better way to... Get the loved ones together than to celebrate the holidays and by talking about the effects of war. Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! Watch a small child get PTSD. Yay! Yay! It's what we always wanted. Yep, it's true. <laughs> I mean, isn't that how your holidays went? You you would end up with PTSD at the end. I mean, always. That's how it. That's that's always how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that's just normal for <laughs> holidays at this point. You know, maybe it's not because of war, but um, that's what's happening here. War. What yeah. is it good for? Giant robots. That's true as well. We uh we watched Gundam 0080 War in the Pocket. It had that nice jingle. Do do do. Yes, this is a, uh, I think this is an OVA, technically. Six episodes, you said? Yeah, six episodes. They released monthly between March of 1989 and August of 1989. Oh my god, it took it, like, every month to get this out? Well, it's an OVA, so they probably just, like, were releasing it straight to home video. Oh, okay. It's still, like, oof. I'd be dying to know what was going on. That is true. Uh, they released this as part of the 10th anniversary of the Gundam franchise, which is pretty wild to think about. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That in 89, it was the 10-year anniversary, and now we're up to, what, 40? <laughs> Over 40? Yeah, because you said 89. That's that's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. I'll be 35 in, like, two weeks, three weeks. A couple weeks, yeah. So, yep. That do be how it goes. It's over 40. It is indeed over 40. Oh, man. Let's talk about the production of this here OVA series. Okay. Bubble Suit Gundam 0080 War in the Pocket was produced by Animation Studios Sunrise in in association with toy company Bandai. Kenji Uchida was the former representative, and Minoru Takanashi was the latter's producer. The series was created to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the Gundam franchise, created by Yoshiyuki Tomino in 1979. War in the Pocket was directed by Fumihiko Takayama, known for his work on Orgus O2 and WX3 Pat Labor the Movie, WX3 Pat Labor the Movie 3, marking the first time anyone other than Tomino directed a Gundam show. The screenplay was written by Hiroyuki Yamaga with scenario by Kyosuke Yuki, while the character designer for the series was Haruhiko Mikamoto. 
War in the Pocket was originally released in Japan on VHS and Laserdisc. Oh, snap. Yeah. Do you have this Laserdisc? I don't think I have any of the 0080 Laserdisc, so I would like to have them. I think the the covers on them are pretty good. Uh, As a six-part original video animation series between March 25th, 1989 and August 25th, 1989, Bandai Visual re-released the series three times, first into two three-episode DVD volumes on December 18th, 1999, then as a DVD box set on April 22nd, 2011, as part of the specially priced DVD series G-Selection, and later on a Blu-ray disc box set on August 29th, 2017. The first North American home media release of War in the Pocket was handled by Bandai Entertainment, with dubbing produced by Animes. First announced in 1998, Bandai originally released it in a VHS box set along with Mobile Suit Gundam 0083 Stardust Memory on March 9, 1999. From September 14, 1999 to November 23, 1999, the company released it into three two-episode VHS volumes, followed by a six-episode box set on December 7, 1999. In December of 2000, Bandai announced its DVD release for the following year, but in 2001, Bandai changed the October 2001 release date to January 2002 and then February 2002. (laughs) I was like, I ah, will get to it eventually. <laughs> War in the Pocket was released in two DVD volumes between February 19, 2002 and April 23, 2002. Two complete collection re-releases followed. A collector's edition box set was published on July 12, 2005, followed by a DVD under Anime Legends imprint on March 23, 2009. Uh, Bandai initially planned to broadcast War in the Pocket in the United States in 2002, but Sunrise set a September 2001 air date. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, the anime aired on Cartoon Network's Tsunami Midnight Run block starting from November 5th, 2001. It was also aired by the same channel on its Adult Swim block on Saturday nights from November 16th, 2002 until December 28th, 2002, after which the Saturday block was removed. And then on a Saturday video entertainment system block from starting from March 1st, 2003 and ending on April 19th, 2003. Uh, and then Right Stuff got the, the rights to release it and they put out a big old Blu-ray. Not a big old Blu-ray, it's... it's I have it. It's over there <laughs> on my shelf. Uh, but they put out a Blu-ray set of it on January 3rd, 2017. Wow. Wow, indeed. Uh, let's look at the legacy of this here series. Uh, Yoshiyuki Tomino, was, who was not involved in the show's production, was interviewed in the New Type magazine April 1989 issue after the release of the first episode. He praised the director's effort to make the show realistic and focused on things other than mobile suit battles. He also commented on two glitches, one being the portrayal of a blue sky in the colony rather than the other side of the cylinder, which is only about 6.4 kilometers away, and the children being out during a wartime alert. Tomino thought that school resuming with combat in such close proximity was unrealistic, when a more sensible response should, be, should have been to close the school immediately and guide the children to shelters. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> Uh, Gundam 0080 marked a significant departure from the constant background theme of new types featured in the Universal Century Gundam universe since the original Mobile Suit Gundam up until Char's counterattack. The absence of this theme raised the series' appeal towards audiences without special liking of Gundam and Tomino's work, and would continue in many following Gundam series narrating about ordinary soldiers and people in these conflicts. Uh, Gundam 0080 also began an enduring tradition of retroactive redesigns. Yutaka Izubuchi updated the original Mobile Suit Gundam's dated mechanical designs and costumes, and since then, every new creative team has offered his own take on the classic Gundam props. Uh, This one person ranked War in the Pocket as their fifth favorite animated series in 2002. Wow, fifth? Fifth. What else came out in 2002? I don't know. Uh, Its DVD box re-release in 2011 was third 
third was the third best place animation on Oricon's ranking of best selling DVDs in the week of April 18th to 24th, selling 3,739 copies. The 2017 re release sold 6,352 copies and ranked third on Oricon's animation Blu ray disc chart. So, yeah. This is basically like there's a lot of uh, high praise for the show just because of like it's a more grounded approach to Gundam compared to kind of like the more bombastic view of it from like the original series and some of the other bigger series that are out there. Mm -hmm. And it very much kind of just hammers home the point of that, which, which is the point of Gundam in general that, Hey, war's terrible. Yeah. War sucks. And that a lot, I mean, a lot of people don't kind of get that theme Mm -hmm. throughout a lot of Gundam series. They, they, they see that meme of, Hey, cool robot. And they're like, yeah, this is cool robot. What that's all I'm, that's all I'm here for. But it really feels like this series in particular just hammer home, hammers home that point just repeatedly into your brain like, hey, this is bad. This is very bad. I mean, is it because of like the perspective of the, the small kid and it being like more of a character driven? I don't know. I don't know much about Gundam. Gundam. Yeah, I mean, it could be as well. I mean, it, it also, I think helps this series in particular that they go to a neutral colony where the war really hasn't touched them at all right right so a lot of people there are kind of like disengaged from it they're like they, they hear about it through the news and everything and like oh this is happening blah 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 but like it hasn't gotten to them personally, it's not part of so, their lives yeah so they don't understand like this the the significance of it or like the the terrors of it or anything like that yet that's why like a lot of the kids in that show are, are just like Oh, cool robots. Yay. Look at all this. Woohoo. Let's get some gun shells. Let's get some gun shells. This is awesome. And they don't understand, like, man, this is all terrible stuff that's happening. Right. Like, all these people are dying and everything. Like, this is all real bad. Mm-hmm. Or also, like, the, the kid not understanding, like, the difference between the Earth Federation and the Xeon and, like, right. why one one side would be bad and why the other side would be good. But I think, as well, this, this show does a good job of, like, showcasing like the individual soldier stories between both factions and how to kind of like despite the ideological differences between both factions like you know story soldiers are going to be pretty similar Mm -hmm. despite who you're fighting for essentially it is very much the anti-war Gundam series like very just specifically that more so than I feel like a lot of other Gundams really try and beat you over the head with Mm -hmm. um and I think it helps as well that it's like only, like only six episodes, so it's kind of just this small, short-form story that's able to kind of portray the story that it wants to tell and not really overstay its welcome or anything, or like, you know, get too bombastic that it would kind of devalue the, the message they're trying to portray here. Mm-hmm. Because if like this was like a 20-episode series, I don't think really the the horrors of the war would really be as impactful as they are in six episodes. Right. Per se. I mean, I think that, like, one of the things that made this really fascinating to me in general while we were watching it is, like, real-time destruction of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a wild... One, two, three. Kind of a weird thing to be like, that was really good. Um, but I mean, it really does hammer home like, well, the message of, of it being bad, but the difference in Al from 
episode one to like the ending scene with Al, that's a very different character. A hundred percent, yeah. Um, and it feels realistic. It doesn't feel like it's just, like just goofy, weird anime thing. Like it actually feels like something that would happen because there is that like fascination and that that excitement behind it, and then like. There's there's the realization of like oh god everything is terrible this sucks mm-hmm. um I am I'm going to need many many years of therapy after this <laughs> many years I, I think as well it's interesting that like because he really Al gets the most kind Me? of <laughs> impact within all of the the story here yeah because he sees everything firsthand between both sides and the fighting and everything and why all this is real bad but like everyone else is is still very distant even though there's been like multiple battles within this colony where like was like episode four or five when uh chris has to fight the the one dude in birdie's uh platoon misha kills him yeah like they have that whole fight like the school gets destroyed partially destroyed and everything and it's like the next day everyone's just out like doing their thing like nothing happened and the cops like why aren't you in school kid yeah like everyone's still desensitized to everything despite the fact that like hey this war has finally come to your backyard mm-hmm. like this is not good you shouldn't just be acting like oh everything's fine blah 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 it's christmas which is why we're talking about it right now is yeah, christmas the, the end of the show ends on christmas that's that's basically why we are talking about us now but yeah giant it's santa very, everywhere it's very wild how like they're just like Oh, we'll just move on with our lives, blah, 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 nothing, yeah, I guess that happened, who cares? And then even at the end of the series, like, when, after the, the big fight happens, like, they're just, like, having this assembly at the school, like, oh, the war's over, that was real bad, anyways, time to move on and get back with our lives, hooray! Yep. And everyone's just like, alright, woohoo, and Al's the only one who's like, oh my god, what do you do, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, no, that's not how this works. Mm. No, I, I'm I, a small child, and I understand that this is not how this works. Somebody help me. Please help me. I am a small child. I still don't believe he's 11. He's just, He's got the Yakuza child syndrome. He, re- of, he really does. <laughs> just looking older than he is. Well, his friends also look older, except for the, the girl that he hangs out with, or he doesn't really hang out with. The girl that sits behind him in class, or in front of him in class, I don't remember which direction, behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his friends also look way older than 11 but I mean he looks like a baby he looks like he's probably 8 <laughs> they just couldn't figure out how to make a child look like a appropriate age no like the other two that he hangs out with they probably look like they're like 13 and then him and the girl look like they're probably like 8 but they're all 11 apparently I don't know. It was weird, but he definitely did not look like an 11 year old. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see an 11 year old get like so jazzed about this kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So that's realistic. Because again, like you're as a kid, you're going to be desensitized to all of this. Like it's not it's not going to seem real. It's not realistic for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, weird comparison to make. Um, and it's it's the second time this has come up um on this on this this year podcast. Um, but I was in middle school when nine eleven happened mm-hmm. and we watched it on TV and it just like okay, I've never been to New York. I don't know what I've never even heard of that building. This is weird, but like 
what is it what does it mean for me and then like I, I kept hearing stuff afterwards and then it became like an actual big deal and but like none of it ever really felt like it like meant anything to me mm-hmm. because I lived in rural West Tennessee yeah <laughs> um it's like oh man that's tragic that sucks but like all right that happened I suppose like I feel like it's probably the same kind of idea of what what was happening here of like oh, this war is going on. This is really terrible. Like, I have an idea that it's happening, but none of it is actually having any kind of direct impact on me. So um, that, like, glorification can happen. Right, right, yeah. Um, Again, very weird comparison for me to make, but there it is. No, I think that, that makes a lot of sense because, like, I definitely kind of had a similar thing happen when that also took place where it was just like okay this is the thing like i didn't even I get, know what that was i get out of my state testing today yahoo <laughs> like i didn't i didn't know what state it was in i didn't know what city it was in i just knew that there's a building mm-hmm. uh, i eventually learned obviously but right 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 um like i i can relate to his perspective here I mean, probably not so much of the, like, excitement about the giant robots, even though, like, as an adult, I'm like, eh, giant robots are actually kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but, like, middle school me would not have been as excited about uh, giant robots. Um, giant dinosaurs? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that, that mindset that they're all in is very mm-hmm. relatable to me. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I get that. I mean, I think it's completely understandable, especially for kids that age, that age, that age, that age. Well, and even then, like, um, do you remember when we played, like, House of Ashes that the dude's like, yeah, I don't know, I I was just smoking weed the whole time, and then, like, I ended up mm-hmm. joining because Ruha, like, Merka. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the same thing, that, like, there, there's just, like, this, this, like, what's the word I'm looking for here? I want to say ambivalence, but I don't think that's right. Is that the right word I'm looking for? You're you're the you're the English person. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> like every maybe everything exists, but like it, none of it actually feels like it's it's directly relating to you, and none of it actually feels like it's as bad as it is until like you actually are. it directly affects you. Yeah, correct, correct, yes. Anyway, two weird references. No, I mean, again, I think those make sense. Because, like, that's just just how it is for a lot of people. Like, it's going to be like, oh, this this is a very far away thing. And then once it comes to your doorstep, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. And it's so weird to me that, like, it's not the case for many other people in this colony. That, like, they just move on with their lives. Mm -hmm. But I guess he has the direct connection of, like, he, he treated Bernie like his brother. He knows the people involved more than anyone else mm-hmm. there. Like, both of the two pilots there, he's very close with. Yeah. So, if, like, if... I would say, like, if any anyone else on that colony had a direct connection the way he did, mm-hmm. it would probably be more real to them as well. But no one else really has that direct connection with either of them. Right. I mean, like, he helped rebuild the, the one suit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so like he has a direct connection and like the battle actually occurring. Yeah. So is that too? So there's probably some kind of like guilt there too. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, there's the whole failure to make the battle stop. But how, as an 11 year old child, do you make two giant robots stop fighting each other? Yell louder. Yell louder. <laughs> Get a megaphone. Hey, stop fighting. You're like, huh? Oh, go okay, I guess we'll stop fighting. Go find a karaoke machine and drag it with you. <laughs> uh, they didn't have that technology in 1989, apparently. They didn't have karaoke machines in 1989? Not for this child. I mean, they probably did, but not for this child. No. Uh, but yeah, this is a. Uh, I, I think this the the slow build of this really again helps this show as well because like the first couple of episodes are just kind of like you know you're getting to know Ber- or Al and his friends. You get to know Bernie through like him joining in with the the Zeon Special Forces group he joins up with. You meet Chris a little bit. She's kind of like just here in the background, just oh Al's neighbor. He probably has a small crush on her. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, like, you see that first initial battle in, like, the first episode, but, like, outside of that, there's not a whole lot of, like, you know, fighting, fighting that happens in, the, like, the first couple of episodes mm-hmm. before it starts to ramp up later on in the series. Well, nothing, like, really tragic happens in the first battle. Like, the the one mobile suit, like, gets knocked down that, uh, is it called mobile suit at that point? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, Um, And Bernie's grounded um, but like you don't see the like level of devastation that you see in the later no two battles. I mean, there's there's that one dude in the the special forces who dies, but like you don't really know who that character is at all. So it's just like, eh, whatever. I don't even remember that guy dying. Yeah, he dies in that first battle. Like the first battle they have at oh, the um oh right the right Anar- right the, the North Pole base. Andy, I think is his name. Yeah, right? he dies. Yeah, he died. I forgot about that guy. Oops. How dare you forget Andy? I know. Burt Reynolds was real sad about him. Never forget. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which, man, we've got some interesting racial stereotypes going on here, and I guess cultural stereotypes. Yeah. Um, The late 80s. Here's here's this Hispanic man who's... Yep. And then here's Mm -hmm. this Russian guy. Wow, he's drunk all the time, and that's Mm -hmm. all he does. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, I guess we're rolling with that huh mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm not surprised by that given when it came out so i'm not like i'm not gonna fault them so much for it like it, it sucks but it's kind of how it went back then so yeah like i'm not i'm not like oh god this is the worst thing it ruins it all um but it, it is something worth noting that it's like oh okay that's where we're going with this mm-hmm. um yeah burt reynolds was very sad about andy's death and i don't even remember andy <laughs> <laughs> he was very sad. He was very sad. And that's how um, Ber- Bernie ends up on the team is because they lost Andy. Yeah, and he's just like he's just a rookie in there and just thrust into the situation. Rookie cop, Bernie. Yep. Except for he's rookie Nazi, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, 
there's apparently I got some trivia for all these episodes if you want to hear some trivia. I would love to hear some trivia. Uh, the title of episode one, which is titled How Many Miles to the Battlefield, may be a reference to the nursery rhyme How Many Miles to Babylon. Oh, huh. Uh, this episode marks the first mention of the name of the currency used in the Universal Century. According to Dolores Hayes, Toy Federation rank badges cost one cool. This is translated as one dollar in the dub, however. Which I think mm-hmm. they use, like, they they re, they redo that again later on. When, like, Bernie's at the bar buying drinks. When he's buying he's drinks like, and the, the ticket to not yeah. France. Yes. Um, and then the video game played by Al uses various sound effects from Mario. This yes, is Super it Mario does. World, but I don't think it's Mario World. It's not Mario like, World. I think it's SMB three. It's Mario three. Yeah, which is very funny because those are just they just ripped those sounds and were like, "Yep, throw it in there." Just straight up Mario three sounds. I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" I know those sounds. <laughs> it's very funny. It's really funny. Uh, the, the, the trivia for episode two says Bernie shuttle enters the colony through gate number four, possibly foreshadowing the eventual fate of him and the rest of the Cyclops team. I don't understand what that means, but it links to, it links to a Wikipedia article for tetraphobia. Is that the whole like four equals death thing in Japan? Yes, I believe that is the case. Yes. Okay. That would be why. That makes sense. Nahone. Nahone. That doesn't uh, translate as well here, but that's what that's what it's probably yeah. about. The uh the trivia for episode three is the title of this episode is a reference to the end of someone else's rainbow. It's the episode of title for this the title for this episode is in At the End of the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. A novel by Robert Rossner. The Japanese title of the novel is this, and the Japanese title of the episode is exactly the same except with the addition of a question mark. Which like end, tra- end of the rainbow usually means like also dying, right? Or is that potentially it? could? I don't remember. Other or than the treasure, like, I'll say the pot of gold. Yeah, uh, the trivia for episode four, which was titled "Over the River and Through the Woods." To grandmother's house we go. <laughs> the title of the episode is most likely a reference to Ernest Hemingway's novel "Across the River and Into the Trees." The Japanese title of the episode is this is very similar to the Japanese title of the novel. Uh, the central theme of the Hemingway novel is death, so the title is likely <laughs> alluding to the multiple character deaths in this episode. Good old Hemingway. That that guy. That guy. Uh, episode 5's trivia is Saying It Ain't So Bernie. The title of this episode is a reference to Saying It Ain't So Joe, an alleged exchange between baseball player Joe Jackson and a child fan in 1921 when the former was revealed to have participated in match-fixing. Match mm-hmm. Uh, another currency is mentioned when Bernie orders a drink at the Spaceport Bar. Heights, which from the dialogue appears to be multiples of cools, introduced in the first episode. So there's that callback to that, which, which we mentioned. Yep. And then the titular War in the Pocket episode, the finale. Uh, the the photos at the end credits are colorized, as we, we talked about it when we were watching that. Mm-hmm. And then that's about it. <laughs> so um, there you go. In terms of uh, our, our Christmas theming, the crazy like Christmas inflatables end up playing a a big role in the final battle, which is wild. Yeah. So like essentially the the reason this kind of ends up on Christmas is that 
the the Zeon group that is there, which was Bernie's group and everything, their whole mission is to go to this colony, find information about if there's a Gundam being produced in this colony, mm-hmm. potentially destroy it if they can, and then get the heck out of there. Which yep. they learn basically later on that they're kind of just scapegoats for this whole thing and are mm-hmm. kind of just being used for everything. By and that six-head man, right? Yeah, yes. But, and they're basically not unable to, to finish their mission and everyone gets killed except for Bernie because the Gundam just wipes them out and the Earth Federation forces also do the same. I'd say the one guy just like blows himself up. Mm-hmm. Um, Burt Reynolds gets shot. Yep. Um, Misha gets shot a lot. Yeah, he does. He gets shot quite a bit. So, because of this failure, the the Zeons are there. There's have there's a coup happening within the Zeon forces, where essentially they're going to go to that colony and blow it up with nuclear weapons, so they can destroy the Gundam and get rid of it. Yep. Because that's how desperate they are. So, Bernie like learns of this and he's like, "Oh, I can't do anything. I can't fight the Gundam. I can't blow it up. I got to get the heck out of here." And that's, I, and then, I don't want to get nuked. Can you and yeah. your mom go on a vacation or something? Eventually, Al kind of like talks them back into help into fighting again, and they rebuild the Zaku that Bernie originally came in on, and they're gonna go destroy the Gundam and hopefully save this colony from nuclear attack and everything. Except, uh, like Al's dad comes back, and he's like, "Yeah, there was a space fight when we were docking." to get to the colony and they said oh man the earth federation stopped this ship that had nuclear weapons on it and they were going to come blow up the colony so like everything is okay but then bernie's going to go fight the gundam because he still doesn't know, he doesn't know this right he has no way of knowing and al tries to go stop them and bernie and chris fight in the zaku and the gundam and then bernie gets poked in the in the in the cockpit with the beam saber turns into hamburger meat which, by the way, the the lightsaber noises are also just straight up lifted from Star Wars. <laughs> that's, um, just how, that's how they always have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just straight up the same sound. Um, I still can't get over the hamburger meat reference. I'm just like, why Why would you say that? I mean, if you get beam sabered in the cockpit, like, there's not going to be much left of you. Really? I mean, that beam saber is very hot. It's. I mean, it's basically a giant lightsaber. Right. And you've seen how those work in Star Wars. What if there was a big one that just came and just thrust into you? Yeah, yeah, okay. Not much left of you. And I mean, he got shot in the head before that anyway. Well, the head isn't really any, like, I guess he got shot in the head. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because she um, got shot, like, in the side or in the shoulder area. She took a, a, a hit from the the axe. Yes. He sliced it in the cockpit Yes. a little bit. So, yeah, they both got, like, messed up in that fight, but she lives... Bernie dies, and Al's there to see all of it because he's trying to stop the two of them from fighting. Yeah, and he didn't and know that Chris to. was the pilot until she no, was until dragged it, out. And he's just like, he's just sitting there, like, because he gets like, there's an explosion that happens at the end as well, and he gets knocked back into like a tree or something, and like he's just sitting there like traumatized, and like a Federation soldier runs up to him, and is like, "What are you doing here, kid? Are you okay?" You're just like, starts shaking happening? him, like, "Stop What's shaking the small you? child." <laughs> He's oh. like, man, this poor kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then later on, Chris is like, oh, I have to leave. Will you say bye to Bernie for me? And he's like, yep, he's going to be real sad that he missed you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, like, I really, I think this scene is good because of just, it shows the f***ed up nature of what has happened 
throughout this entire series mm-hmm. is that like you know they have the the scene at the end where the at the school where the principal's like ah the war's over yeah that one so is, is a while we're gonna be scene. able to move on and everything and like al just starts like sobbing mm-hmm. and his friends are like ah don't worry about it al there's gonna be another war coming it's gonna be real rad and we'll get some more stuff and everything they're it's like we'll great. get real bullets this time instead of just the shells and he's just like losing it. And the girl and goes they have to get the no teacher. idea. They have no, they have no understanding of like what he's going through or what he's no. gone through. Nope. And it's just like it's like we talked about earlier, like this huge disconnect between the two, like the these two groups. Like his friends are literally making the situation worse and not realizing. Yeah. <laughs> they have no idea. I did appreciate that this girl who, like, they've honestly been tormenting this whole series, realized enough, like, oh, this is not good, and goes to get the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, she at least has some emotional intelligence mm-hmm. <laughs> to realize, like, uh-oh, there's a problem here. She she doesn't know what the problem is, but she knows that there's something going on. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, teasing him for it or going along with it or whatever. Like, she... She figures out, like, oh, I need to do something. So, like, you know, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> good on you, little girl. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So there, there is there is that. But yeah, like that, there's a huge disconnect of like this very, very traumatized child who saw like somebody he really looks up to and probably has a crush on um, straight up murder somebody he considered his family at this point. Um, neither of them knowing that they were the ones that were fighting each other and mm-hmm. him like putting Bernie up to it, um, essentially, or encouraging Bernie to go through with it and helping him, like, rebuild and all that fun stuff. Um, so, like, I'm sure he feels like a direct responsibility for it. Yeah, it's like, I feel responsible, I feel guilt, I feel all this trauma. That's a lot. He's probably going to hate Christmas lot. from now on. He's definitely going to hate Christmas from now on. He's going to need so much therapy. So much therapy. Jesus Christ. Um, I did type into the Zoom chat. I don't know if you noticed this, but the the Merry Christmas M A R Y made me laugh a lot when we saw that. <laughs> there were some very interesting things that they uh, that we saw in this that were kind of like ancillary little things in the backgrounds of shots mm-hmm. and everything of like like the Merry M A R Y X M S. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Kentucky Dried. Kentucky Dried. So like fun stuff, weird stuff like that, but then they're like in the first episode, there's just like uh in one of the mobile suits, it's just like here's a poster from Playboy. Yeah, that's a Playboy poster. And you're just like, huh? Um, which you know, I I don't I don't completely understand like war um habits, I suppose. Hmm. I know that there tends to be like habits of, or at least in media, there's the habit of like decorating your living space with Playboy posters and that kind of thing. Right. Like, wouldn't it be somewhat distracting in the thing that you're trying to survive and also kill people in? Well, maybe it's for more like the downtime. So like, it's just something to like raise your spirits when things are going bad. How much deal. downtime do you like? Get it would be it would be the same of like. I mean, I guess it would be the same if, like, someone had, like, pictures of their family in their mobile suit cockpit or something like that. Okay, that's fair. Just something to remind them of home or just, like, something to remind them of, like, normalcy, essentially. Yeah. When you're in this just terrible situation. If Randy Orlando had a mech, he would put Playboy posters in it. He 1,000% would. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind. (laughs) 
or hot shot, sorry, is what they call it in, in that, but he, he would have covered. Oh, 100%. Yeah. All right. I, very I, funny. I can I can respect that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was really weird. It's like that's just Playboy. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The Kentucky Dried was pretty good. There was another thing that is like on the the board, but I can't remember what it was. But it was it was really entertaining. It was a good distraction from like, oh God, this is this is sad. Yeah. Uh, soundtrack as well is really good. Oh God, it is very good. There were so many times during battles that I was just like, "Oh God, this this rules!" And I kept telling you, like, "This rules." Mm-hmm. Um, has no right to be that good. <laughs> uh, it was like I told you, like, just Gundam soundtracks are, for the most part, very good. I mean, you made me listen to something later, and I was like, "Yup, you are correct." Mm-hmm. Congratulations. I mean, you tend to be correct, but you were really correct on that, guys. <gasps> also, we kept making jokes about Al being me. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta make some fun when things are rough out there. Yep. Yep. Apparently, there is a, a current manga adaptation of this series happening right now. Really. Yeah. I'd read that. It's neat. Uh but yeah. So this is your this is your second Gundam thing I've made you watch. Mm-hmm. Um what what I mean we've t- we've kind of talked about what you thought and everything, but like was this exactly what you were expecting or anything, or was like anything surprising about it or anything like that? Okay, so my general, like, I guess takeaway typically of of Gundam from what I've seen so far is generally big robots, mm-hmm. war is bad. Yep, yep, you got it, nailed it. Um, and so that's that's what I was expecting. I actually expected more of the the giant robot part than the war is bad part. Yeah, this is kind of, like I said, it's, it's kind of an exception where, like, those elements are a little bit flip-flopped you would ex- than what you would expect from most Gundam series. I personally appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like we got, like, a lot of, of, of character time. Um, we got to, like, know these people. And again, there was, like, some sense of normalcy for this this kiddo that, like, there aren't just giant robots everywhere all the time walking around doing things fighting like that's just not how this works um i would say as well that like i think the way it's having that inversion mm-hmm. of those two makes the the battles that happen more impactful than I agree if with there you. was more fights scattered throughout the series i agree with you and even like there's the the one gunfight like around the gundam um mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is this has nothing to do with the robot fight that's happening outside. This is just people being people and fighting each other and, you know, spilling their spaghetti sauce all over themselves. Yeah, buddy. Um, But I, I did appreciate that. And I, I really didn't know what I was getting into uh, when, when you're like, hey, you want to do another gun? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do it. Um, I'm pretty sure you're on a mission to get me to watch Gundam. 
<laughs> um, and this was a good one to go that direction because I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm also, you know, a big, a big sucker for anti-war stories. So yeah, there's that too. Um, I also really enjoy the character writing here. Mm-hmm. And the the dialogue. A lot of it was like there was there was some goofy dialogue that happened, but like it, it was good. It was fun. Um, you know, you had silly moments like Chris braining Bernie at one point thinking that he was like a creeper and um, you know, that has nothing to do with what's going on, but it was a nice little like moment Mom, call to the see. Cops. It's a creeper. Right. Never mind, Mom, don't call the cops. Don't call the cops. Like you got to know a little bit about her, um, and well, and him too. Um in a situation that has nothing to do with like what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um so it made the end that much more tragic. Yeah. And like she's probably never going to know unless Al spills the beans, like what happened there. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing left of him, how would they know? How how could they tell her that's who it was? They wouldn't. Nope. We did have that like weird side bit about like being a mistress that I still don't know what that was about. That was kind of a weird segue. <laughs> it was mainly just like to keep Bernie there, but I'm like, what is happening here? This lady's having a moment. She was so drunk. Yep. She she was saying she wasn't drunk, though. I'm not drunk, you're drunk. <laughs> um, but that was a weird scene. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling at this point, but I, I liked it a lot. That's good. Mm-hmm. It was a worthy... I don't know how long it took us to watch it. Three hours? Three hours. That would say, yeah, three hours. Yeah. Give or take. A plus. Would watch again. Nothing like gathering everyone for the holidays and watching some Gundam. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I remember one thing that we should at least mention before we we finish our gathering of the holidays. The the voice actors. Yes. There's some pretty big voice actors in this. Yeah, so... uh, Again, this was dubbed in, what, like, the early 2000s, so it's yeah. kind of, you're getting some of those people in here, so, like, you see, he's like, Steve, Steve Bloom's in here as, like, Al's dad, he shows up very rarely, but he shows up, and he's like, oh, I know who that is. Yep. Um, It kind of sounded, it seemed like they got, like, a lot of people that worked on the Bebop dub. Ah. Because um, there's that one professor who's on the Earth Federation makeshift-based that's there. Mm-hmm. That Al goes to meet, and I think that's the dude who voices Jet in the Cowboy Bebop dub. That that tracks. Uh, Wendy Lee's in this as Chris, mm-hmm. who's also in that as well. So like, there's your top three from that are in this. Yep. Um, and then the wild one is that Bernie is voiced by none other than David Hayter. <laughs> did you know that you needed him with an Australian accent? Because if you didn't no, know but that, I, I do now. I it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Is it, it's very interesting to hear his voice acting in this because, like, it's not the same register as when he does, like, Snake because it's, like, 
he does snake in a much deeper gruffier register but you can still hear those like intonations like oh that's david hater yeah in bernie if you're like really listening for it once you know who it is Mm -hmm. you're like oh yes okay i i i know who you are yeah (laughs) it's good yeah so that's a wild thing yeah yeah i just felt like we had to mention that at some Mm -hmm. point because it was pretty good so anyway war is bad everybody who could have guessed? Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Happy um, holidays. This war is over. It's just a John Lennon song. It's a bad one. I mean, I have I have thoughts that I won't say right now on, on here, <laughs> but um, uh, there's a cover of that though that why am I blanking on who it is? Uh, you don't have to actually you'll think about it like once we're we've stopped recording you'll be like oh there it is that's who it is yeah yeah you don't you don't have to you don't have to wait for this um this is this is me just on ta- hi maxwell on a tangent maxwell's like hello i would like to help you with your tangent uh but yeah that's our holiday episode for this year we watched some more gundam because that's always fun and funny to do for a holiday episode very good we hope all of you have good, happy holidays and stay out of this winter storm that's approaching as well if you're in the midst of that. Yeah. Nasty stuff happening. Yeah. But, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So if you'd like more from us, head on over to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.Cools where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Jared's Now Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Anime Checkup. You can buy our books, One Shiny Moment, a critical analysis of Love Life, Sunshine, and Hot Tubs and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast early, and a whole wealth of bonus content as well. Since filled. There you go. Mm -hmm. Al thought of it. Yep. Next week, it's our final episode of the year. Ah. Yeah. And what better way to kick the end of the year, like literally the last episode of the year on the last day of the year. Mm-hmm. It's time to crown game of the year. Al, have you have you locked in your game of the year yet? No. Yeah, neither have I, so I can't really give you gruff or anything. It's hard. But this time next week, we will have our games of the year locked in, ready to discuss, talk about... Give flowers to all those good games that came out this year. Give some supplementary awards. Give some weird supplemental awards because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll we'll finish up the year in style. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that next week. <laughs>